So one Sunday morning, a mom packed up four of her five young children and headed to church. The middle child was a young girl, around four years old, and this was her first time going to church. She was curious and a bit nervous about what to expect. The shy little girl hid behind her mom as they approached a small classroom with only a couple of other children in it. As the little girl decided to sneak a peek, she, her attention was immediately focused on the older lady in the room who reminded her of her grandma. She had a warm smile, a calm voice, and she invited the girl to join in. The little girl went in, she sat down, and began to learn. She played for a bit. She learned a new song, made a craft, and then was handed a Bible. Now this was a big book, especially for someone who didn't know how to read. But the older lady opened the Bible, pointed to a story, and began to teach. The little girl was hooked. For the next year or so, the girl couldn't wait for Sunday to come. It had become her favorite day of the week. Next week, we begin Christian education here at Redeemer Church. So, of course, I wanted to share this story with you to serve as a reminder of the excitement, the energy, the crowdedness, and the nerves that will fill the halls and classrooms for the next nine months. Christian education is a priority here at Redeemer. There are hundreds of kids and students that participate throughout the year, as well as over 115 adults and youth that will serve in a variety of ways. Now, I know that not all of you have children or are currently in the stage of raising children, but that does not mean that this message isn't for you, too. Because you are here, you are part of Redeemer, and that means that you are part of the Christian education ministries here as well. Let me explain. In the months of September through May, Redeemer is filled with kids all over this building. There are kids in the gym, in the nursery, in the new high school room that's going to be off of the lobby, the Kingdom Kids rooms, the Kingdom Quest rooms, all the way down to the bridge room. That is a lot of space. And through your financial generosity, your prayers, your patience, your sacrifice, and service throughout the years, you have supported the continuous growth of the Christian education programs and ministries. And starting next week, this will include the St. John's campus with the launch of Kingdom Kids and Kingdom Quest, which is very exciting. As I mentioned earlier, I am the middle school ministry, um, director of middle school ministry, which involves the fourth through eighth grade students. I am in a unique situation in which I get to lead along with my husband, Justin, who you may have heard speak a few weeks ago. We have three children, two in college, and one just entering high school. Christian education has always been a priority for our family. I'm not even sure that we really ever discussed it, but it was just something that we always did, even before we started working here. Sure, our kids had fantastic middle school leaders, but they also had a ton of people who have influenced them and invested their time and poured their talents into them as well. As a family, we have had to make some really tough choices in regard to the level of commitment that we would give to other activities and sports. My kids love sports, and being active is very important to Justin and I. But we were committed to raising our kids in church, even when that meant saying no to travel leagues, Sunday races, and even some family events. 
Yes, we had to be here to work on Sundays, so it wasn't something we could budge on. But each time a conflict would arise, we had to revisit our priorities. Making this decision when our kids were all under the age of seven seemed like an easy and good decision. But as they got older, it became more challenging. We've never really had any fights with our kids about going to church because it was just part of what our family did. Plus, they really enjoyed being here. But having to say no to so many other good things on Sundays was extremely difficult at times. But we knew that saying yes to Sundays and serving at church was the best for our family. And it still is. I say all this because I often wonder where this idea came from. We weren't super involved in church when our first child was born, but we did attend nearly every week. Looking back, I know that God planted that desire inside us. There was a longing to connect with him and to, and to raise our children to know and experience him. We didn't really know how to do that other than by attending church, so that's what we did. Proverbs 4, 1 through 13. My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. For I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. For I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child. My father taught me, take my words to heart. Follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. And when you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions and don't let go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. This passage was written by King Solomon, who was known to be the wisest king to ever live. He is giving instructions to his children on how to live wise lives. Can you imagine this scene? Picture it with me. Story time with Solomon, and all his children are gathered around him, the wisest of the wise, telling them all of the secrets to being wise. And let's not forget that King Solomon was gifted with wisdom from God, and also he learned much of what he knew from his father, King David, who was one of the greatest kings to ever live. And these kids got to learn from those too. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were there, I would have my Sharpies, my colored pens, my notebook, my Bible, and my iPhone there, just to make sure that I captured everything that was being said. And I would be sure to choose a spot that wasn't too distracting, so I'd be far enough away from all the younger siblings. I would also highlight, bold, circle, and underline when Solomon mentioned Proverbs 16.31. 
Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. This would be something to remember later in my life when turning 40, as I did just a few months ago. So the awesome thing is that just like Solomon's children, we get to read these words from King Solomon, taught to him by King David, and we learn all the secrets to being wise. We would be fools to not pay attention. Verse 7 says, Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Author and pastor David Guzik says, Wisdom is the principal thing. King David communicated more than just facts of wisdom. He wanted his son to love and value and honor wisdom. People often regard money or fame or romance as the principal thing. But God's people should give a higher place to wisdom. So what is, exactly is wisdom and how do we get it? The basic idea behind wisdom is skill. The term wisdom is used in the Old Testament to describe the abilities of skilled workers, like garment makers, craftsmen, and goldsmiths. But we discover in the book of Proverbs that the word wisdom is used to describe the skill of living in a way that honors God. Wisdom is one of those qualities that is difficult to define because it encompasses so much. But it is something that people generally recognize when they see it. A couple weeks ago, my family went up north for the weekend, and my kids asked us this question. Who is the wisest person you know? Initially, this seemed like a simple question. We said answers like teachers, coaches, older relatives, and of course, Pastor Rod. But the more we thought about it, the trickier the question became. The why behind our responses was hard to explain. Why did we think of these people as wise? What made them wise? Was it their knowledge, their experience, their character, their personality, their faith? What about you? Who is the wisest person that you know? And what makes them wise? If getting wisdom is the wisest thing we can do, then how do we get wise? According to Solomon in Proverbs 1-7, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. In this verse, fear is another word for reverence, deep respect, or worship, which suggests that wisdom begins when we properly acknowledge who God is and then we offer him the worship he deserves. It reminds us that life's true significance is discovered when we approach God with an attitude of humility and awe, not one of dread and fright. Solomon realized that wisdom and knowledge of the things of God should bring a person closer to God and therefore help develop good judgment. So if wisdom begins when we properly acknowledge who God is and then offer him the worship he deserves, What are the ways that we can learn to do this? Let me suggest four ways. The first way is we go to church. And this is exactly where Justin and I started. It was important for us to set an example for our children, but more importantly, it was essential in helping us to grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of God. 
By making the commitment to attend church on a consistent basis, we were making a commitment to growing in our faith. Sometimes we're out and people come up to us and say, oh yeah, I'm planning on coming back to church real soon. Or if they see me at Meyer, they either avoid me or they say something like, sorry, I haven't been in church lately. We've been really busy and plan to come as soon as life slows down. You guys, I'm not even the pastor, I just work with the kids, and this is what I hear. If I'm being honest, this used to bother me a little bit, but not so much anymore. If they see me and somehow connect me to church and with God, then that is awesome. If any of us are out in the community and someone recognizes us from church, then hopefully they are thinking about God too. In that moment, whether it is at a soccer game, a gas station, or a restaurant. People have a longing to connect with their creator. And even when they aren't sure how to do this, they know that by going to church, they can connect with God and with other Christians. The author of Hebrews writes, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Attending church is a place where our connection with God is challenged, it is strengthened, and it grows. We experience community worship and teaching, which ultimately leads us to grow in wisdom. The second way I'm going to suggest is to study Scripture. You have been taught by Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes in trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. Read your Bible. It's as simple and as difficult as that. We tell students all the time to open up their Bibles, to read it, to, dis- to study it, and discover what it says for themselves. This is why Redeemer hands out six age-appropriate Bibles, birth through graduation. I try my best to honor God and teach the truth from Scripture, but I don't want others to believe something simply because I've said it. I want them to believe it because it's what God says. And the only way they can do this is to read, explore, and discover the truth that is written throughout the pages of the Old Testament and the New Testament. The more that I read and study, the more the Holy Spirit moves within me to help me be a better teacher to those around me. And the same is true for you. Even when the Bible is hard to understand, it's comforting to remember that the same spirit that was with the authors as they were writing each book, chapter, page, sentence, and word is alive in you as you are reading it. The third thing I'm going to suggest is to pray. There is so much to say about prayer. The Bible mentions the word pray or prayer over 400 times, which makes it very clear how important prayer is. 
We can gain wisdom through conversations, and prayer is a conversation with God, our Heavenly Father, and our Creator. Spending time with the one who created us and love us so much is both humbling and very effective. Talk to God. Spend time with God. And you can even ask him for wisdom. James 1, 5, and 6 tells us that if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. It's okay to ask God for wisdom. However, we are cautioned to be faithful when asking. In other words, don't ask for wisdom while disobeying his other commands. Believing in God and being faithful to him means you also obey his commands. The fourth and final suggestion I have for you is to share with others. As parents, we aren't always sure how to teach and lead our own children. As friends, we aren't sure how to use the Bible to help lead someone through a difficult time. As coworkers and family members, we aren't always so confident in how we pray for each other. By connecting with others in a local church who have that knowledge and experience, we can gain wisdom from them. And we can also share that wisdom with others. Proverbs 4 makes it very clear how powerful a parent's role is in the faith formation of their child. David taught Solomon, who taught his kids, and it has been passed on from generation to generation. And somewhere in that line, it was passed on to you. Maybe it was from a parent or a grandparent. Or maybe for you, it was from a friend or a neighbor or a sweet old lady who reminded you of a grandma and taught you how to read the Bible. Not everyone in this room is a parent, but you do have a connection and influence with others. Never underestimate your capacity to gain and share wisdom with those around you, especially those that you are connected with in a local church. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All the glory and the power to him forever and ever. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, Christian education is starting next week. And this is a wonderful opportunity for us to help children grow in wisdom. In all of the children and student ministry areas, we focus on these exact things. Going to church, reading the Bible, praying, and sharing with others. All four of these work together to help children grow in their faith and to gain knowledge. I cannot imagine how difficult it is to navigate the pressures of the world that kids face each and every day. I know that I alone cannot change, 
fix, or solve many of their problems or difficult situations. But how much harder it would be to navigate these daily pressures without the knowledge and the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. Parents, grandparents, sons, daughters, aunts, uncles, cousins, neighbors, and friends. We have a responsibility to one another. It doesn't matter where you live, what your profession is, what your age is, or who you are. We are all called to seek wisdom, to properly acknowledge who God is and then worship him fully, and then use that wisdom to help those around us. Remember the little four-year-old girl that I mentioned earlier? Well, her days of attending Sunday school did not last for very long. Unfortunately, her parents decided to quit going. However, the little girl was able to stay connected through a weekly program at another church that was held on Monday nights. Each week, the girl had to work up enough courage to ask her parents to take her, and she quickly learned that if she invited a friend to come along, her parents were more likely to say yes. So that's what she did for the next two years. This program encouraged kids to memorize different verses, and if you memorized all of the verses in the work workbook, you could get a trophy. So she worked so hard at memorizing the countless scripture verses. In fact, her mom even recorded some of the verses on tape so that the little girl could listen to it in the car and when she fell asleep at night. Eventually, she earned that trophy. And sadly, that was the end of her attending church for several years. She didn't return until she became a mom herself. Upon entering church for the first time as an adult, she felt much different from when she was that little four-year-old girl. She was still nervous, but she brought in so many other feelings. She brought a lot of shame and guilt. She brought questioning, and she brought doubt. She definitely knew that she did not belong there. But for some reason, she continued to attend with her husband and her daughter. So one Sunday, the pastor was reading from the Bible, and he read words that were familiar to her. It was a verse that she had learned long ago, and all of a sudden, the joy and the awe and the wonder that she felt when she was four years old came rushing back to her. She fell in love with Jesus all over again and hasn't stopped seeking him or his wisdom ever since. Now, I don't know why my mom took me to church when I was four years old or why my Sunday school teacher was so kind to me. I don't even know all the reasons that we quit going or why I ever wanted to memorize all of those verses. In fact, I have no idea why I walked back in after becoming a mom myself. Many of us in this room don't know each other's stories either. We don't know why you came to church or what brings you back each week. We don't know or understand some of the feelings and baggage that you bring with you as you sit down and prepare for worship. But you know what? It isn't always for us to know because we can trust that God knows and that he has his hands surrounding each and every one of us. I know that because I seek him and his wisdom each and every day of my life. 
Committing to church requires a lot of sacrifice. Reading this big book, when half of it seems like stuff that makes no sense, is really hard. Praying and talking to someone that we can't see or hear can be kind of weird. And then taking all of that and sharing it with others seems nearly impossible. But we can hold on to the truth and remember that we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. Pray with me. Thank you, God, for your unfailing love and perfect wisdom. We ask for your guidance and patience as we seek to honor and praise you with our whole lives. We are so grateful for you and love you so much. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.